parents are fallible and I hope that most of our learnings, I know I, I hope that we've got balanced learnings against our own parents failings as well as their successes. Yeah. Cause no one had perfect parents, right? Absolutely not. And some didn't have them at all or even half of them. Welcome to a Father's Flame podcast. Today we have Aaron Agius. He is an international entrepreneur, thought leader, speaker, and writer. He is also the co-founder and managing director of the award-winning global marketing agency, Louder.Online. Since co-founding Louder.Online 11 years ago, Aaron has built the agency to become a successfully and fully distributed company with over 70 team members across 10 locations worldwide. Uh, he is a consultant to Fortune 100 clients around the globe. Aaron has been honored to work with several, uh, several billion dollar businesses, including Salesforce, Intel, and IBM. His areas of expertise cover all facets of digital marketing, including multi-channel strategy, SEO, PPC, CRO, content marketing, and online PR. Um, recognized as one of the top 25 MarTech companies in Asia Pacific region, Louder.Online has also been described by Forbes as one of the world's leading digital agencies. And he is a prolific leader, uh, leadership writer and regular contributor to sites like Content Marketing Institute, HubSpot, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fortune, Search Engine, Journal, and Business.com. To date, he has produced more than a thousand guest articles and has been featured on various podcasts, including Mixed Energy, Entrepreneur on Fire, Total CEO, and now a Father's Flame podcast. Welcome today, Aaron. Thank you. That was that was a mouthful and a slightly outdated mouthful, but it was, it was still accurate. So thank you for having me. Yeah, sounds like we need to update some of these stats, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean been a, a good 15 years now that the agency's been operating uh and there's been a few other clients a few other things that we've been focused on in the last few years um so yeah oh that's awesome well since you're a global entrepreneur i kind of want to dig into like how did this come about like what's a little bit about your story like your up and coming um your life you know did you start with a job or did you just start right into entrepreneurship uh, yeah, I, I started with jobs. Um, <clears throat> I'm not very good at them. <laughs> um, I, I, I do a good job. The managers always liked me, but the, the reality is I felt uh, it, it didn't feel aligned. I felt like I was doing the work that I needed to do in about 25% of the time. And the rest of the time I was trying to figure out my own stuff on the side. And that just doesn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me. Um, I always got into the situation of being uh, thinking I could do the job better than the managers and then the managers wouldn't listen, wouldn't take my advice, wouldn't, you know, any of that. And so it just, there's always friction. Um, but yeah, I, where did I start? Um, out of school, I started in IT jobs because I knew computers um, started at, at uni or college uh, doing a computer science degree that never got finished. Um, so I went into working in tech support roles for Microsoft and um, a few of those big companies. Uh, went from there to doing um, building big networks, um, 
bought my first company at, I think I was about 22, uh, which was a franchise, uh, which is something I'll never do again. Um, because you know, like, like most people, I, I thought that I needed the structure. I didn't have the experience and I knew how to do the service, which was, it was a computer repair franchise. I knew how to do the thing, but not the business around it. Um, but then when I got the franchise figured out, it wasn't really that complicated and they were, um, I was spending a lot of money buying something I didn't need to. So, um, ended up selling that, uh, went back into, to doing more, uh, networking jobs, um, and staying in it. I didn't, I didn't really like the whole idea that I was always, it was reactive to people's problems. I was always trying to solve problems. It was always a negative thing. People come to you in a, a bad mood with a problem with something that's going on. Right. Um, and so after, after that was the last job I had, um, at that particular point, um, I got up and went and moved to Thailand. I sold properties, sold everything, got up and moved and was on the um, edge of a remote island for about six months um, with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. Um, and when we were there, um, we were basically going through a whole growth period where we were listening to um, how to win friends and influence people, um, seven habits of highly effective people, the eighth habit, uh, and it, all of those kind of self-help books. We just were in this villa, we were playing at um, audio books and laying around doing nothing every second day going and doing Muay Thai fighting, Thai boxing, and then coming back and doing, doing this. Um, we decided when we were there, we, we have to figure out how to do this permanently, which was how to earn a strong currency and live on a cheap currency. Um, the whole sort of geo arbitrage play. And um, it was right at that time, that was in 2007, 2008, it was right at that time where you know, there's loads of people out there saying they're making money on the internet. And we thought, well, there's got to be some sort of truth to it. Um, and so we started trying to learn everything that we could about the internet and online marketing. Um, and it took us, it took us four months of working nonstop um, in front of a laptop with no one to teach us. It was trying to figure it out, just completely figure it out from scratch. Uh, it took us four months before we earned any money um, and we made 40 cents that day, um, which we, I, it sounds like nothing, but we, we were jumping and cheering and clapping because uh, the, the, we knew then what we still know today that the internet's almost infinitely scalable and can be highly automated. And that next day we turned that 40 cents into $400. And then we kept scaling and, and going and going. And basically uh, that was that was through affiliate marketing. We were selling other people's products, taking a clip here and there. Um, and we got up, traveled around the world from that point. Um, and that was pretty much the start of the agency Louder Online when people started saying, well, surely if you can do that for other people's products, you can um, tell me how to do it for my business. You know, our, our plumber friend would ask us how to do it or um, you know, small businesses here and there. And so the consulting arm started. We started consulting through small businesses all the way up to the biggest companies in the world. And we're still doing it today. That's so awesome. Now, I kind of chuckled when you said 40 cents. But so tell me, <laughs> how good did it feel, though, to like just you got a, you got a deposit, right? It, it felt cents. really good. It was just validation that uh, literally we were in this sea of, 
of darkness trying to figure out everything on our own. There was there was very few people out there that were legitimately trying to help. People were selling courses on how to make money, and that was the way they were making money, and that was the only way. Um, so it was just a sea of mess at the time. There wasn't there wasn't enough out there. There weren't enough people truly there to help, um, and we we had no one. So figuring it out off our own back um, was it was good validation to get that 40 cents in um, even better validation to turn it into $400 the next day. And the, the proof was there and you now four months of working for nothing on a hope that it's going to be valuable is it was big. It's a, it's a, it was a big call and it, it wasn't just me. It was, it was my, my girlfriend, my wife, um, but my, my girlfriend at the time, both doing it and trying to figure out how to, make $200 to pay for some tiny program that we hope is actually going to change everything and like all, all this kind of thing. It was, it was tough. Interesting. So does she still work with you today or what does she do in the company? Yeah, well today, I mean, we, we spoke of one company. Um, we, we now have six or more, I think. Uh, so, uh, Gian does work, uh, in, in two of our companies at the moment. Um, still still doing different roles in, in different areas uh and it's great she's she's fantastic i wish i could pick things up as quick as she does uh well, i kind of want to maybe i'll stay on this topic then so what is it like working with your wife because so you guys have been doing this for 15 years like were yeah. you like ceo or or your president she's vice president or is she it's how does tough. that work uh, it's tough from that perspective because um, I find myself and I'm often very often caught out speaking um, from an I perspective instead of a we perspective and that gets me into a world of trouble and diverse, deservedly so um, just because like I'm 99.9% .9 of my time speaking to anyone else in any of our companies um, and and so that's just the vernacular that comes out but um that, that's something that I, I get caught up on the other the other thing is that um we try to work in different areas and not because there's friction just because it's easier like we're, we're both bosses we're both founders we both own the companies equally um she has every right to be controlling and making calls and decisions on things that are different to mine and so why not put ourselves in the position to be able to do that without cre creating friction for the other? Sure. What's, uh, so in 15 years of working with her, what is like, what does it look like today that you didn't do back then? Like, cause you're like, oh, I, I learned to quit fighting that fight. Um, like, uh, what, what is say like a tip for somebody who's just starting like me and my wife or we're starting a spot where, okay, we're going to, probably own a couple businesses here shortly and I want her to play a part in it, but I, I want to maybe glean from what you've learned to not do the certain things like you were talking about speaking in. How many kids sense. do you have? We have five kids right now. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and she, homeschools, she homeschools our kids now. It kind of right. runs the home. Like she's, she's CEO but, well, right you there. You just said so much stuff there that I'm like, um, remember that that is at least as much if not more of the work that you are putting in you're the ceos of your life not just the company and or the companies and when 
your wife or your partner takes the time off to raise the kids, they're going to come back feeling disconnected from the workforce, feeling like they might be a bit behind, be be a little bit behind, feeling um, like they want to catch up, like it's unfair, like I did this for us and and you're going all guns blazing in one direction. Um, being cognizant of all of those things in advance and ensuring that your partner doesn't feel punished or left behind for doing something that was for you both and for the family and was a joint decision. Um, I think that is really key, which I'm sure with five kids you will have experienced. There's there's a lot of downtime having to, to, to raise those kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she puts a lot of time. I mean, I like in my previous career as a firefighter, like I put a lot of time in at work and there's overtime and, and working on these entrepreneurial endeavors for years. And I still think she works harder than I do. Just trying yeah. to keep our house going till lunchtime is more work than I did in like two well, weeks. If you've, you've ever switched um, and, and taken over for a period of time, it is absolutely exhausting. It is ridiculous how hard it is oh, to, yeah. to just handle that. Um, and hey, like I'm an ex firefighter too, and putting out fires at work is very different to putting them out at home. Yeah, I mean, I, my wife is way more skilled at that. I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah, it, it gets me nervous. Like if I'm, she wants to go do something, and it's like, oh, for like the a uh, couple hours, or like a yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. What are we yeah. doing here? Because down the side. Yeah. Like, no, I'm supportive. Okay. Please do anything you want. <laughs> How many meals do we have to go out? for you know with all these kids okay how many times how i gotta go to mcdonald's times, <laughs> how many times can they eat pizza in a row without getting sick and how, how can i hide the boxes from the wife before she comes home? yeah because she's gonna be mad that she sees all that so <laughs> oh man yeah she does a lot of work so so you what are your thoughts on this marketing company that you guys have built so this is a this is a big thing for business because almost every business needs marketing right aaron Everyone does, yeah. Everyone um, does. Especially during a downturn, that's when people should be marketing. So yeah. here's my question to you. When does someone outsource marketing, right? Because if you're, say, there's people bootstrapping businesses like you did, you kind of have to do that for a little bit. But at what point does someone approach a company like yours? Uh, that's a broad question. Uh, there's When there's a lack of skill set internally, when there's enough budget to handle it, um, knowing that most of your efforts probably won't see the results you want, and especially in a time frame that you're expecting them. Um, there's, it, yeah, I, I mean, those couple of things are really key. It depends on who you, who you have internally. Um, the, the problem, the problem is not so much deciding when, but is deciding who, uh, there, there is zero barrier to entry in our industry. Uh, in this particular industry, I own businesses in other industries. In the marketing industry, there's zero barrier to entry. There's fly-by-night scammers. It is just too easy for people to um, come say they're a marketing agency and um, take your money, provide no results, string you along. Um, that's the hardest bit in my mind, being able to it's see through that stuff. Finding the right company. So you want them to have history. You want them to you know, have proven like testimonials. Yeah, speak to the customers and just the proofs in the pudding. And, you know, all the stuff you said in my intro, I we eat our own dog food. You know, we do content marketing and SEO and a range of different things for ourselves. Um, 
we we live and breathe it for ourselves so the evidence is clear if you google my name the first 10 pages are all something that is about me an interview or something that i've written or created so from a brand control and, and brand management perspective we're out there doing it right so if we're out there in a pitch for sort of marketing um and we're coming up against someone else the price is about the same the design of the documents and the proposals looks good it all looks professional and they're going to go out and google me or google someone from an unknown agency i've got a leg up right sure. uh, i've got all this implied um, credibility and authority from all these different places and publications yeah that's awesome so how small companies do you guys work with um it, it, it's never the sort of number of seats in the company it's more just budget um the mm -hmm. thing that we won't do is work with companies that have got like we've got a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars a month to spend and and we want to give it to you and you grow our business it's just unrealistic it is um it is not enough to be multi-channeled it is um typically the smaller businesses have the same way greater expectations than enterprise companies for the kind of returns that it can be delivered and it's they live or die based on the results and so they're on to you every day account management is huge and high um whereas you go to an enterprise company they'll give you 100 grand a month and you're one of like 12 things that they're doing simultaneously and they all understand the synergistic benefits of them all and the you know the account management overhead is actually lower so um yeah I, I didn't answer that too clearly but it's it's typically budget based we probably don't work with companies under 5k a month but that's on the very small end so really to scale through marketing you kind of need about minimum 5k yeah you'd want you'd want to be comfortable losing 5k because any marketing is is a risk it doesn't matter what you're doing um there's no there's no guarantees to any of it so uh, if you can handle losing that especially if you can do seo and content marketing which is six to 12 months to see results then that's a long hold of a lot of cash before you're going to see results right um sure. if you go down the pay-per-click route and, and ads and that kind of thing sure um more expensive but you're going to see faster results okay yeah i'd be more confident throwing like pay-per-click or um more cash into something like giving it to a skilled like person like you and your company right than me just trying to learn it all and run my company at the same time right or am i i'm divided on what I can this is the thing people people just think oh, i'll just go do it myself you can i'm gonna waste thousands of dollars on an agency i'll just figure it out myself well bookkeepers exist because it, it's a whole business accounting people exist tax people exist marketing people exist ads people seo people content people because these are full businesses yeah you're thinking that you're going to be able to go and compete with other companies that uh, this is all they do and you think you're going to go and learn that while doing your business and your own bookkeeping and everything else to try and keep costs low. This is why I don't love startups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Cause you're, you're into buying established businesses, right? On the, on the yeah, other side yeah, of that's, things. That's, that's definitely where we've gone over the last few years. Uh, just, we went through periods of starting a few, and just the, the sheer 
energy that has to be output uh, outputted put out put out to be able to yeah. get something off the ground as a startup is is outrageous or you can know the numbers you need to buy something at and see profitability from day one and it just makes complete sense um so yeah we've we've gone down that path we've acquired a few um, a couple of different marketing agencies um we some mortgage broking businesses uh, education business and there's a few more things in the works at the moment oh that's awesome yeah i uh don't always get to talk to an expert marketer so i don't i wonder if i should ask you a few bonus questions what uh <laughs> ask anything you want <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's say you had a startup i got two friends that like it's well two people i know that they're like coming after some of the bigger apps that are out there with uh with startups right that tech and uh i guess i don't want to get too too into the the weeds on this but uh actually i might i don't know i feel like i should skip this question but uh yeah i'm gonna scrap that one because i don't okay. want to talk about their i don't want to talk about their projects because they're not out yet and and they're keeping them kind of under wraps until they until they launch so all right so let's move on let's transition a little bit into uh let's go into family or no and let's see because you're still living abroad is that correct right you never i am i since in that story since starting and traveling um we actually haven't really gone back we're from sydney originally uh sydney australia and um We've then lived in Thailand for a few years, um, lived actually, so the story went that we did all that traveling, started the agency, went back to Sydney and had our two boys. Um, okay. when my youngest, they're 14 months apart. When my youngest was nine months, we got up and moved to, to Thailand, moved our whole house and lived there for three or four years. Um, as they started getting a bit too big for a small island uh we decided to move back to sydney which was a bad move and didn't enjoy that at all stayed there for two years got up and moved to singapore and we've been here for five now that's awesome and so is that that was, goes back to the strategy where you said like earning like money from other countries but living in a place where it's like efficient you know with your money well, then there's there's multiple many reasons for it. It's purely on the financial. Yes, that's one of them. Um, it's earning US or, or euros, whatever it is, and going and spending it on Singapore dollars. It's nowhere near as great as being in Thailand at all. It's very it's one of the most expensive countries in the world. But when we were there in Thailand, it was yes, we're um, earning a strong currency using it on Thai baht. So we've got massive arbitrage there staff that we were hiring is is offshore in different places so again another level of arbitrage there um the the tax efficient places so tax then drops to almost nothing or nothing in some circumstances so you've got all these levels of of compounding value from a financial perspective um and you just your quality of living is much higher um your dollar goes so far that it's it's fantastic um, that was one of the reasons. The other reason is just um, I like I would be in Thailand now with my feet in the sand on an island if if the kids if I didn't have the kids. Um, sure. So I, I just I just love that. My wife and I love that kind of lifestyle, and 
so anything that's close to that is what we'll take we're, we're a direct one hour flight now from from where we were in thailand so oh that's awesome yeah. and so two boys you said uh there was two boys and now we have a baby girl as well she was born here in singapore three years ago awesome that's great that is so good what uh what's how's the oldest how old is the oldest 11 12 oh it's 12 just 10, okay 12. I'm curious. So, do you have uh, thoughts on how how you're going to teach them into the to work in the business, or to are you kind of going to push them towards getting a degree? Do you have a strategy yet? I know you're, they're young, but yeah, I'm not. <laughs> My, <laughs> I, I I'm not. Um, I'm not steadfast on that at all. I. And it sounds cliche. I just want them to be happy. If they're sure. happy working in nine to five job, I would prefer that because they're everywhere and you can easily get one. Oh, yeah. um, that don't come with the stresses of entrepreneurship and, and the risk levels and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, they're, they're both exceptionally interested in working in, in our companies. So it's more about just um, keeping them happy and, and we give them, tiny project based stuff here and there and, and just see if they're actually interested and, and have an affinity for any of that kind of stuff. But really the, I think that'll be in the coming years that we'll start to see something of value being produced and go, okay, maybe there's a path here for them. Gotcha. So what's it like raising a family in Singapore then? So you're, I mean, I don't know, is your wife Australian? Yes. Yeah. She's Australian. Okay. So is there like a community? No you have no... Okay. <laughs> uh, we just, we just live here. Um, there's yeah, our kids go to the biggest, I was going to say the biggest school. It might be the biggest school. It's certainly the most expensive school in the country is the Australian international school. Okay. And so the kids go there, which means there's, there's thousands of kids there and we have a big Australian community through that. Um, Singapore's a very big expat place. So, We've got loads of European friends here and, and friends from the US. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of different communities that we're involved in. Bringing up the kids, it's a brilliant place to bring up the kids. Um, if uh, you know, if if you had all the money in the world, this is this is certainly where you'd kind of want to be raising kids, in my opinion. Mm. Um, other than the disconnect from wider family, um, but yeah, the schooling, hospital, healthcare. Um, extracurricular activities and closeness to anything like coming from Australia, you're seven hours away from anywhere by flight. Um, over here, you're, you're direct one hour flight to other countries. Um, it's great. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, do they do Australian football at this school? They do, but my boys don't. They my don't boys play okay. soccer. They're <laughs> okay. They're footballers, football. Yes, uh, football. Okay. They we uh they they play just like their dad. You were a soccer player? Yeah, yeah. I've played since I was six years old, so okay. uh I'm playing again on Friday actually. You're still playing soccer, okay. Well that that's one of the challenges over here as well is it is that hot um constantly that uh it is a real challenge fitness wise to be playing in this heat. I, I've got to try and do the conversions. It's near 100 degrees Fahrenheit almost every day. I'm going to Google it so I don't get this wrong. Okay. 100 yeah, that, Fahrenheit Celsius. What do we got? 
yeah, just shy, probably 98, 97, um, which is with humidity. Yeah. Humidity is ridiculous. So we, we oftentimes is standing on the field and it's all, it's AstroTurf. Um, so the, the fake grass and they've got black rubber underneath it and the sun's beaming down on the black rubber, black rubber's bouncing back up and you're pouring water on your boots because the, the sun's burning through before you've even kicked off. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got to run around at peak condition for 90 minutes. It's, it's hard. So I, I, I actually don't know how old you are. How old are you, Aaron? You're still playing I'm soccer. 41. Okay. Oh man. You had a long career. Did you play? Did you play in college? I mean, what do you? What did they do in Australia? I I didn't uh, didn't even get past first semester. Um, three times that I tried university, okay. uh, it it wasn't working out for me. I was done with study and and I was supporting myself and the jobs that I was getting. I was hiring people underneath me who had finished the degree that I was studying. And I was like, "Why? What am I doing? I'm already above that in the job that I'm doing." So I, I ditched it. Isn't that kind of weird? Like, even with firefighting here, like I got this job. I didn't have. I'd got all the training once I got after I got hired, and I'm like making more than people with a degree and that are educated here, equivalent yeah. or, or more. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Crazy. In, that, in Australia, salaries are nowhere near nowhere they're very terrible salaries for firefighters in australia okay. um i did not do that for the money <laughs> i did that for many <laughs> other reasons but um yeah how it was it was hard to get in in the u.s as a firefighter it it really was it is competitive still i mean there's a couple hundred people going for uh jobs unless you're in the real big city then you might have thousands of people but um yeah it's it was still competitive and well, yeah, we had, we had 20,000 people go for 40 jobs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, yeah. I haven't heard of any that competitive here in the U S but maybe in like New York or, but they hire like yeah. a thousand people at a time though, not 40. So yeah, well, our, our, we were 40 and it was the only cohort that year. Right. Um, so wow. it was, uh, I think, and it's, it's for New South Wales firefighter fire department or, whatever it is, which is the second largest in the world after New York. And okay. they only hired 40. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it was super competitive. There was like, you did all the physical, you had to do mental, you had to do intelligence based stuff, emotional, like it was 12 steps of 12 stages to get in. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. We, it was similar here, maybe not 12 stages, but yeah, cognitive, relational, physical, uh, and then you're just oral boards, um, for mm. sure is competitive. And I, I didn't get into it for the money here. I knew it would be like a decent living and, and really I made more money doing overtime and such, but, um, yeah. I, I got into it for like the time off and I thought I was like, man, that, that'd be really awesome. But what I kind of found out over time is that the shift work that I was doing, I'd work, we work two Rotating days on shifts. four days off, but then you start pulling an overtime yeah. shift and now you're working three days away from home. And yep. then home for three days, and it's it kind of can burn the you out. The weekends never exist. The, no, you just keep no rolling, and so you never have to. It's exactly what I saw. I mean, the turbo dollars are nice on the on the callbacks, but yeah, it, it was. I mean, I'm, I'm saying nice. I had it. We had our agency, and I got. I became a firefighter while running our agency because I was like, hang on a minute, I can work while I'm at work unless there's a call, and I can make 
double money and I can figure this out and I can tick a box of something I always wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work family-wise with two young kids and rotating shifts. And when I wasn't working, I was working. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you're working almost 24-7. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I... It is nice having like that, being able to work at work. And honestly, that's where I used, I used that time to like get my education, right. And meet, meet up with guys like you and different masterminds. And, uh, you know, cause I kind of got red peeled, pilled years ago of like reading about entrepreneurship, trying some entrepreneurship and then meeting some high level, you know, entrepreneurs that are like running like five businesses, 10 businesses. And I was like, how does that guy do that? You know? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, Anyways, so I used that time this last like six years to just educate, educate, be in meetings if I could on Zoom or on calls to uh, right. kind of get to the point now where I'm at and, uh, you know, getting into business buying and investing and such things. So, no, that's cool. You know, I played college soccer. I, I need to bring that up since you're such a soccer guy. I, uh, I played two, four years in college and then one year in a sem semi-professional here in Washington state. And then yeah. I just didn't have the drive to keep playing. And then we have like men's leagues and I would did a couple years of that. And then I always just got nervous about, you know, blowing a knee out or yeah. something. And it's like guys play harder. I feel like in some of the men's leagues, than the guys yeah. I played with in college, like those were intense I, I don't games. Think it's harder. I think it's more that they, they're less coordinated, less skilled, and they don't know how to control themselves. And that's, exactly. that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, no, that you just clarified that really well, that they're like, they're going harder at you, like, but in yeah. a less professional way. So <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny. So soccer, that's awesome. Um, or, uh, do you kind of push the sports with your kids or do, does yeah. your wife? Okay. We both do. My, my wife is a, um, a state level netballer. Uh, and she's, she's fantastic at netball. So, okay. Uh, what is netball? It's, uh, it's big in, in the UK and Australia. It's basically like basketball, but, um, no backboards and you can't run with the ball. So you run around you're in different sections, you grab the ball and you have to be passing it off and lots yeah. more passing. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting sport and she was brilliant at it and so the kids have got a lot of sporting influence from the both of us and um yeah i, I definitely push it on to them for many reasons uh and not not against their will they're very good football players themselves the one just won the comp here uh two weeks ago uh so they're, they're very good that's awesome so with raising boys or, or just kids are you using a strategy that like this is like stuff that you learn from your mom and dad. Is this like your your wife's parents, or are you guys in a place where it's like you're just like coming up with stuff that's just on your own? I mean, how much of an influence I, is your upbringing? Subconsciously, I'm sure there's stuff. Consciously, um, <laughs> I, just, I don't know how this is going to sound, but this is the first time I actually thought of putting some sort of strategy or process into parenting like we would a business or anything else never considered it so yeah. i guess there's a very clear answer that we wing it a lot and i guess that there's just a lot of subconscious stuff that will come through um and you know i uh, 
parents are fallible and i hope that most of our learnings and i i hope that we've got balanced learnings against our own parents failings as well as their successes yeah because no one had perfect parents right absolutely not and some didn't have them at all or even half of them yeah so, yeah yeah I, I think it's a good perspective really to like give your mom and dad some credit like that they were using the skills that they kind of had that like you don't know how their parents paired in them like and i know yeah. people hold there's kind of those grudges and i know i remember a time in my life where it's like maybe you're, i was a teenager like you kind of like hate your dad and it's like ah oh, these rules and this you know never be like you like a lot of people have said that yeah and uh yeah he he was kind of doing the best with what he had and then you know in hindsight his rules my dad was pretty good about having rules um were gave me a good solid foundation of boundaries in life not he didn't yeah. do every area of my life but it definitely gave me some boundaries um you know that taught me to work hard save money you know, and treat people decent. Right. So seems like you're doing a good job. Well, you know, and a lot of where I'm trying to learn from is like, I've taken the perspective years ago is to try to learn from other men, you know, and like whether it's a conversation uh, with you um, or it's men that I have more time with, like on a weekly basis, you know, for me, it'd be yeah. at church. Um, I went on a mission trip once. It was actually for soccer in uh, South Southeast Asia. I'll have to tell you about that story sometime. That was that was kind of life changing and pretty cool. But one of the guys that led the trip, you know, we connected through soccer, and he became a mentor of mine. And I saw um, him raise his family in a way that I didn't. My parents weren't like that. Like my parents mm. were. Um, got married at like 16 and 17 and just were kind of struggling with this party life when we showed up and they were just figuring some stuff out. But then I got to saw, see this guy or just totally different strategy with their kids and just, you know, um, not letting the kids run the home for sure, but kind of just really giving to them and, um, connecting with them, talking with them. And it's like, I feel like my parents maybe didn't connect with us a ton and they, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and may I ask a, a question? Yeah. I know it's your interview, but no, yeah. Um, on, on your fantastic shirt there, the very first thing it says is faith. Um, were your parents religious or did they become religious or, and sorry, um, there's a definition, a difference between faith and religion. I get that. Sure. I'm assuming there's a strong religious factor here. So the question goes, are they, were they religious and did you become religious on your own? And was that because of any kind of, impact or influence or lack of some sort of need from your parents? Good question. Uh, they, <laughs> from what I, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Got me thinking here. Yeah. They, so from what I remember of that, they've told me is that they were kind of not really religious. Some like Mormon people reached out to them and they kind of got in, um, baptized maybe in the Mormon church. And, uh, then they kind of got out of that pretty quick based on some advice from somebody and started going to these Christian churches. And so there was like, as we showed up, there was this little bit of like religion or that we would show up to like church for sure on, I call this creasters on Christmas and Easter. Like we're the family that shows up 
you know, and I'd have to go to the Sunday school or something. And then occasionally we would go for like, you know, a few months straight and then, then not really go. So it wasn't real consistent. We didn't really have it in our home. So I'd say, no, we didn't really grow up where it was like very religious, but there was a, a little aspect of it. And, uh, I more came into my faith in college. I had a soccer teammate invite me to his church. And, uh, that's when I first heard about like Jesus, right. Being your savior. And it was like this charismatic event. Like, uh, one of my buddies was there and he's like, Oh, you remember that? They were like spinning babies on their heads and dancing. It was like, he was Catholic. Right. And where he did not act like that in church. And, uh, it was just, it really, some, something that night really touched my heart. And I did pray to like receive Christ. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa, I am a sinner. Um, you know, I need Jesus. And I kind of walked away from that like weeks later. Cause I was so excited to get to college to really, you know, party and, and, and do the thing that I've been waiting like all through high school to yeah. get, get to Yeah. anyway. So I just kind of went off the deep end and just had fun and did everything my heart desired. Right. For three years. And I, it kind of got me just, I mean, we were drinking like every single day that we could, if we had money, we were drinking, and we typically had money to do it. Yeah. And I was, yeah. <laughs> I, I was on scholarship, you know, out at Montana state and, uh, oh man, I was just sucking in school. I, I stopped going to class cause I just wanted to do the partying. Right. And, yeah. and so anyways, that kind of brought a lot of depression, like a lot of that alcohol and all that different stuff. And so that's where a night I called out to God all by myself and kind of what we, I would say repented. Um, that's what started it really for me to have faith and really walk in him and find out what it really meant. Um, and cause I, I just felt the gravity of the life I was living and I asked him to forgive me. And I kind of had a spiritual experience where I was like, I felt forgiven, like in my body, like in my heart and nice. yeah. And so then Powerful. that's when I pursued it. Yeah. And, uh, it did, so yeah, maybe some lack in, in my parents, you know, being there relationally or even religiously, um, led to some of that. Cause they actually got separated two months before that event even happened. It was just like a lot of just negative in my life. So it was kind of that typical, like, um, you know, you're I was coming to one of the worst places in my life that I've ever felt. And so, and that's what kind of that's where I met the Lord. I don't think I would have been open to him otherwise. Cause I was going and chasing the other things that I wanted. Yeah. And, uh, and then I don't really like to call that religion. Like I like to call that like faith. Cause now I, that's when I started a relationship, right. With God. And it was like, I didn't need the pastor. I don't need a priest to like guide me in that per se. I have access to God. I can read about him in my own Bible. And that's what I started to do. So, yeah, that's right. essentially my journey. And I, I think everything works out in your life for a reason. And I'm glad where I am today because the Bible, again, gives you like a framework to live, to be a good person. Yeah. Right. So I like that you, um, <clears throat> you had that definition of faith there because yeah, that goes part of the way towards where, how I feel about it all. Um, but I'm a bunch of steps further. I like the fact that, I personally just have a distaste for organized religion in any form. 
and, sure. and that I know of, that I've experienced, that I've researched, that I've been exposed to, all that kind of stuff. I don't like the concept of it, the idea of it. Love the idea of faith, and it doesn't have to be, in my opinion, it doesn't have to be another entity or anything. Faith in yourself, faith in your family, faith in in people and sure. humanity. Those things matter to me. And I think all, all, most of the religions are all trying to do the same thing anyway, which is just be good to one another and 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 help each other. And if you can do that personally, if you, I believe, if you can do that without having to follow an organized religion, then you're just as faithful and good as the next guy, despite someone telling you that you're going to hell if you don't do this, this or this, right? Sure. Um, and yeah. that, that, that's where my sort of uh, belief in, in faith lies. Yeah. And so you've kind of, sounds like you've been on, everyone's on a spiritual journey, would you say? And and I say spiritual, I mean beliefs, right? And, and finding yeah. who, why are we here? Like, that's a, a big question. You know that. Well, I'm I'm here for your very second one there, which is family. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That that is that is my why. Um, yeah. After that, I, I, you know, finances and fitness are the things that support me being able to give to family. Sure, sure. So, did you like what was life grown up for you? Like, is there religion, or did you have some obviously experiences with like organized religion that clearly? got you to the point that you're I, at i'm not i'm not damaged by religion I, I grew up catholic catholic primary schools high schools had no big issue no big problem no falling out no i didn't have a huge belief then and it just grew the more my exposure to life grew and other religions and other ways of being and thinking and doing the further i fell away from organized anything um, and I like it. I, I, I used the wrong term there. I don't like saying I fell away from something. I grew into something more in my opinion. Sure. And is that, uh, something you and your wife kind of did together or is that something that you were doing before, you know, you guys came I, together? I think she's more religious than I am. She believes in God and, and Catholic processes procedures rules whatever you want to call them um yeah uh, we both went through the same schooling but same type of school but she's more religious than i am um i it doesn't cause problems we respectful i'm respectful of, of your beliefs and most religious people's beliefs um so we're respectful of each other's and like it, it never really comes up they will yeah one might get up and go do um the body of Christ, or I forget what it's called, communion. It goes yeah. for communion, um, and I'll sit there and go, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do it." I'll just, I'll still sit there in the church when my friend's getting married, though, because that's supporting the, sure, yeah, you know, the the friend. Um, yeah, it never really comes up. That's what, that's about it. That's the only time I can think of. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I like that you're saying that you guys are respectful of things because I think we should respect just people, right? Like. Cause everyone is going to have some belief that they live by. And, uh, I, I and it's actually the lack of belief as well. It's the lack sure. of belief that's respectful because you know, they're just not there yet or they don't have to be there and they're comfortable defining it as something else. I mean, we, why are we so judgy of people? Like, you know, that's one of the things I hate about organized religion, specific yeah. types where you have to be an evangelist. You have to say, you're going to hell if you don't do this, you have to do all that stuff just grinds my gears because it does not align with live and let live and do right 
for others and be yeah. kind to humanity. And that's what I was going to kind of say too, like that respect people as a human, right? Cause they're in their process, right? And you're in your process and you're, you know, coming to a place that you want to be and you like to be, but yet, and you're respecting other people. And that's, I've kind of come through the, I wasn't religious growing up. I entered in and kind of saw not from the Catholic perspective. It was, I went to more like Christian evangelical churches, mm-hmm. um, and a Bible school. And, uh, there is some like indoctrination to that. Right. Uh, and they, like you were saying, it's organized and they, they actually add rules to the Bible that aren't even in the Bible. I mean, and then the Catholic church is good at that too. Just, I'm not uh-huh. trying to, you know, it is what it is. They got, they don't have the best history. Um, we could say even, that about any religion, which you could is say why that about I don't like any religion. religion. <laughs> well, I think what you don't like is kind of what I don't like. Cause I don't, I say like, I don't like religion. I actually, I kind of, I hate it. Uh-huh. What, and that was what I was trying to say is the relationship like to God or being like spiritual, like to me that that's like the sweet spot that another man doesn't have to tell me what to do. Cause I think men like to have power over other men. And that's a problem yeah. with religion is they love telling you what you need to do to please God more, even if they don't do it. And that's to me or what else. religion is or else. Yeah. Or, or else. And you're threatened and it's like, really? Like I love spirituality. I yeah. love faith. It doesn't yeah. have to be religious. It doesn't have to conform to someone's rules. Yeah. And that I'm learning that after like, maybe I've been walking like 21 years since 2001, January. And it's like, ah, to me, it wasn't religion to start. And then I got into religion because you're going to churches and somehow that just kind of rubs off on you. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it's like, cause, cause even churches like to, what I say is like red flag other people who aren't our church, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they're Baptist or they're Mormon, they're Catholic. Oh, we don't, we're cousins maybe, but we don't associate yeah. with them, right? Which yeah, is, yeah. I think, the wrong perspective. Like, we're really good at dividing right. instead of saying, you know what, Aaron, I respect you and I, I respect where you're at, right? I'm in a different place. And if you'll respect me, dude, I'd love to have a relationship with you. Like, we could be friends, right? We could play soccer. Yeah. It's like, it's about respecting people. I don't people. know. I don't think that you're up for playing soccer with me. <laughs> I, um, I'm now in that old dodgy league where I'll just run at you really hard and not pull up. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I'm not even sure how I'd play anymore. I just, I'd rather just not get hurt. I just, here, take the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm not even sure. I, man, you got me even thinking, like, could I even play right now? I'm 42. I, I'm really, really bad. You are? I'm really bad now. I used to be really, really good. And now I am embarrassed about my performance. But I get to move around and have a laugh with guys and, oh, that's and be good. social. And what, posi- that- what position do you play? <laughs> Striker. Oh, my the- gosh. Yeah. You're the goal scorer, dude. That was like my dream. I always wanted to be striker. And I was just a better defender. <laughs> so... That's awesome. I, I think I'd rather be playing defense now, but they all want me to play striker because I can run. Well, I could run. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So fitness for you is just, is it pretty natural then since you just have always just played soccer? Do you lift weights? Do you, what, What's your, like your weekly routine for you? Yeah, we've, uh, we're uh, privileged enough to, lucky enough to be able to have a, a gym in our house. So, uh, we do a bunch of weights down there. We live 
on a, an island. So we have a running track around the water. Um, and uh, I got into cycling in the last couple of years. So I've got a road bike and uh, get out on that as well. So that with football, uh, it's a, a lot of movement. The problem is finding the time. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, consistency is the key. I mean, I travel so much for work at the moment that a lot of that has to can only be done here, um, except for the gym, and that gets pretty boring. Interesting. So, do you? What do you use fitness for? Like, is it just because it's just fun and you've always done it, or is it actually like stress management, or like you know, like what is it to you? It's being in my forties now and wanting to. Yeah, I said it's it's there for the family. I, I want to be around. Uh, I want to be able to kick the ball with the kids and and still be active and energetic. And that's primarily that. I still and I, I still want my wife to find me attractive. <laughs> those are those are good motivations. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you didn't know me, you know, like in January of this year, but man, I was about how many? Not fifty, forty pounds heavier. And so, wow. yeah, I've kind I kind of let it go. Uh, that's, with that dad bod it's the pizza we were talking about before it, it really was <laughs> there was part of it that was that i just got used to oh my wife's having a baby okay she's laid out and so hey guys we're going out to eat if dad's cooking yeah. so which is not a good it. strategy not a good <laughs> strategy and then they knew how to like my kids knew how to use me too a little bit yeah. like mcdonald's yeah. dad or they'll say something i liked and like okay yeah let's just go do that i'm, a, I'm not gonna cook anything <laughs> So uh, you're looking but, good. You should be proud. Uh, I, I feel good. And anyways, like, that's why like right now I'm like, I could possibly try to play soccer again, you know, maybe lose a little bit more, but, uh, you know, eight Just months ago, slow. no way. That's all it is. Yeah. Start slow. Take it easy. Yeah. And now I, I want to do more stuff with my kids too. Like I want, I, if they don't, they're not going to be in the sports, then I'll probably won't. I'll, they want to do hiking and they want climbing I'm, I'm going to get into that. So more just for that time efficiency too. Um, and that's kind of a big motivation too, for me to own my own business is that I kind of want them to work up with me, right? Just to like, cause they're either going to work for someone else, get the eight hours there or work with me and I'll get a little bit of that discipleship time where, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's me and them they get to see what yeah. how their dad's like in in the world um and i guess maybe I that's it, kind of a dream but i think it's critical i mean there's one of my favorite posts that was written a bunch of years ago now um it's on the blog i'm sure you've heard of it wait but why that's called the tail end and um have you read that one no uh, okay so you read that one and it you know it's it's the maths behind just how many birthdays christmases and whatnot you have left with the people you care about most and it's yeah. done in graphs and different things like that. And it's a really hard hitting post that sits there and you realize that my 12 year old's not going to want to do summer vacations with me in six years. Yeah. Right? I might have six more trips left with my kid um, that are those summer vacations. And those hard hitting realities are the ones that sort of make me really take note and think about how to make the most of them. And so it ties in with what you were just saying. I like what you're saying there. I, I feel actually Kyle Malian shared something too this week and a few other things hit me this week and what you're saying there too. And it was like, be present. Yeah. And that 
just had to say that. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, how easy is it for me to just get caught up in like digging into this company, doing this? And it's like, it's not just you. It's all yeah, of us. Don't, yeah. don't be hard on yourself. And then I yeah, have this. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You, you got to read that post. Wake okay. why the tail end. Yep. I'll get, I got it half written down. Um, and then I got this beautiful, th- you know, three year old daughter just in the cutest phase of life. Yeah. And that's this week. That's what's just been hitting me. It's like, you know what? I'm, I'm getting out of this office and I'm going to go watch her play or play with her. Yeah. Cause I only have her for a little bit of time. And so, yeah, yeah, I would hate to kind of get to where, you know, 18 years from now, it's like, Oh dude, I didn't take advantage of that, you know, and I missed out. So anyways, yeah. um, so do you find being present something um, challenging for you? Like, I feel like for entrepreneurs, it it has to be regulated and balanced somehow, right? I've now spent almost half my life being an entrepreneur and I don't know how to switch my brain off. Uh, it, I could have no phone in my hand and I could be there doing things, but the problems are ruminating and being solved still in my head while I'm doing other things. It's not fair on me or on the kids or on, on anyone, but it's one of my battles to overcome. Sure. Sure. And this is, I'm not trying to coach you, but I just did an interview and it hasn't come out yet with a guy that he kept challenging, uh, or his people that he coaches to journal, um, uh, is, do you do any kind of thing like that? And I kind of, I'm trying to glean from different guys. And so I see some people do the journaling some people meditate and pray. Um, what do you think of that? I, something's going to work for everyone and I haven't found mine yet. I yeah. do that much writing and reading throughout the day that I can't imagine wanting to journal is going to make me feel any better or yeah. different. And I've tried the meditating side of things and I feel like an idiot. And <laughs> I, I've tried hard and I've gone, oh, but you'll get into it. And oh, okay, okay, I'll keep trying. Uh, and I don't reach some epiphany that people tend to have. So I'm sure there's something yeah. out there for me. I don't know what it is. It's probably mountain climbing or something, dude. It's like, the exercise. Yeah, it's probably Exercise, that. yeah. I think that's something about men that we're all, our people are all wired for exercise. Um, yeah in a tech world. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Aaron, I want to just thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time. Sure. Uh, this is a great conversation, just kind of going all over the place. And again, I respect you and appreciate all that you shared about your, your belief, um, your family uh, and your business. And so I appreciate it. Well, I thank you for having me on. I, uh, I appreciate the time. It was a great conversation. All right, everybody, if you found value today, just hit the like button, share this out to uh, your friends and family, anybody you know that might find some value in this conversation. And so I want to encourage all you men out there, put some energy this week, uh, calculated energy into your faith, family, finances, and fitness, and be present, right, with your family. And so that's the message this week. Have a good one.